The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm back with my co-host, K-Bab, as we're continuing to talk about Hoya Paranoia, the Georgetown Hoyas of the early 1980s. This year, we're back to talk about the 1982-1983 team. But first and foremost, let's check in with K-Baz. How you doing, brother, during this uh, pandemic and uh, worldwide crisis? Man, I'm uh, taking it day by day. That's the best I can do. Right. Um, you know, uh, you know, you turn on the television, you read the newspaper, you know, go online. Uh, you know, it's of course dominating the news, and it's a lot of uh, uh, bad news um, these days. Like everywhere you turn, you know, cases are going up, deaths are going up. Um, but I would just tell everybody out there, just you know, I know it may seem uh, like the world is coming to an end sometimes with all the bad news that we're getting, but just understand that we'll get past this. And, you know, as long as you got something to eat and you got a roof over your head, you're doing a whole lot better than a lot of people are doing right now. So just count your blessings. For sure, for sure. Check in with your loved ones and friends virtually over the phone. Mm-hmm. If they're in walking distance, you know, go around the neighborhood and, you know, just catch up with folks. Been seeing a lot of that. Uh, through the neighborhood. A lot of kids that I only seen outside when it was time to go catch the school bus. Doing a lot of activities outside, so that's been refreshing to see. So hopefully everybody can stay calm and peaceful in this time and you know, give it a month or so and we'll be back to hopefully normal. So, But uh, since we don't have what would be the normal time of the you know Sweet 16 round of the NCAA tournament, we're still going to talk a little bit of college basketball as this particular Georgetown team they came back with Patrick Ewing as a sophomore. They lost Sleepy Floyd in his senior leadership as he was the leader of that team the year before. Um, but they added David Wingate, Michael Johnson, Jackson, excuse me, as freshman. Also, Horace Broadnax as well came in to add some more firepower to a team that a lot of people projected, you know, to be a very standout team. In 1982-1983, coming off the uh, loss in the championship game to North Carolina, uh, the team ended up 22-10, and 11-5, which was fourth in the Big East. Uh, they scored 74.2 points a game, which was 59th out of 270 teams in the NCAA, which is actually pretty good uh, for Georgetown at that time. Uh, they allowed 64.8 points, which was 71st out of 270 and uh, if you go back and do a comparison of the year before that would be the biggest thing that would probably alarm people uh, they were averaging probably about 14 more points a game uh, 80, 82 and 83 but they also scored around roughly about the same as well they were scoring about 10 more points a game as well so that was a trade-off uh, the team leader in points and rebounds Patrick Ewing of course 17 points per game about 10 rebounds per game uh, they came into the season ranked number two, so the expectations were high. They started out 3-0 and before they met Ralph Sampson in number one, Virginia. Now, this is something that doesn't really happen these days in college basketball where you have 
two epic big men getting ready to show off and all their skills in a regular season game. Um, talk about the underrated series between Georgetown and Virginia. They used to kind of play this game every few years or so, uh, even back through the middle 90s. But uh, it's kind of been one of the things that's gotten lost through big money and all that stuff in college basketball. Um, well, this game pretty much had to happen. It was kind of like, uh, you know, two highly ranked champions. It's kind of like uh, uh, Canelo and, you know, Triple G. Like, it's, it's the fight that everybody wanted to see. Well, this is the basketball game that everybody wanted to see. Um, and at the time, Virginia had Ralph Sampson, who was the reigning best big man in college uh, basketball. And uh, you had Patrick Ewan, and that was the matchup that everybody wanted to see. Regionally, it worked out. Um, you know, Charlottesville's not that far from, from D.C., so you also had that regional aspect to it as well, two great academic institutions. The list goes on and on. Um, and, again, this is it's one of those things that's had to happen. And I believe that this was, like, one of the first big major events that was broadcast on the, exclusively on cable television. Normally a game like this uh, would have been on network television, on ABC, on CBS, but uh, TBS um, ended up airing the the game, which is going to be known as the game of the decade. Virginia ended up winning the game, which is not surprising. Um, but one of the most um, enduring images of uh, Patrick Ewan's career at Georgetown is the image of him dunking on Ralph Sampson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can see that video pretty much anywhere. You can just Google Patrick Ewan, Ralph Sampson. You'll see the photo that I'm talking about. Um, you know, why I didn't continue, you know, it's, you know, there are a couple other schools that I'll ask right now, like, why don't we just play them every year? I know UConn's coming back to the Big East, but that's one of them. Um, we don't play Maryland every year. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, games that could happen uh, locally that just don't happen anymore because of conversely alignment and, and the such. Like, I think Maryland, even though Maryland's in the Big Ten now and Virginia's in the ACC, like, they, I think they should play every year. They mm-hmm. border each other. They were long-time rivals in the ACC, but again, it just doesn't happen. So. Right. And it seems like if you're looking for a way to sell out or get a, you know, really good draw that it, it would be cool for them to kind of lean on those old ACC rappers. Cause I think those people still miss that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, um, again, like when you, you know, realign the conferences that you, you know, the way that you do, like I used to look forward to playing Pitt every year, you know, and now, you know, we're in the big East now they're in the ACC, but, you know, at one point that was almost like blood sport, you know, mm-hmm. playing them every year, especially in the late eighties and early nineties with those teams that they had. Um, but again, you know, it, it, it would make a lot of sense. You would think to a uh, long time, you know, fans of the game, uh, of course to the fans, alums or whatever. But again, why it doesn't happen, you know, it's why a lot of things don't happen money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, the score of the game ended up being 68 to 63. As you said, Virginia was victorious. The Hoyas also lost their next game to American by one, 62 to 61. So, uh, you know, they're reeling a little bit coming off uh, the loss against uh, Ralph Sampson. The Hoyas would split their next four games with wins over Southern and Wisconsin, but they lost to Alabama and St. John's in the Big East opener. Uh, They would find themselves unranked in the first poll in 1983, heading into a matchup against Syracuse. The Hoyas defeated Syracuse 97-92. They went on a six-game winning streak, and they went from unranked to number 14 in the polls. But over the last 10 games of the season, the Hoyas couldn't muster more than a two-game winning streak and and finished the season ranked number 15 headed into the tournament. They were one and done in the Big East tournament as they were defeated by Syracuse 79-72. 
So this particular team, they got placed out in the Midwest bracket as the number five seed. They defeated Alcorn State 68-63. Patrick Ewan led the way, 19 points, 11 rebounds. The Hoyas were defeated by number four seed Memphis State 66-57. Patrick Ewan led the way again for the Hoyas with 24 points and nine rebounds before filing out. Keith Lee, he doomed the Hoyas, though, with a double-double of 28 points and 15 rebounds. And the Hoyas were left to ponder what could be and get regrouped again for the 1983-84 season. Uh, Just um, one of those teams that kind of was in transition. They lost, like you said, a pre-show. They kind of lost a lot of their senior experience. Um, this was the first team that was probably, um, you know, just turned over to Patrick Ewan. Like, you know, you're our number one option and everything's going to flow through you. But uh, it did build a foundation with David Wingate, Michael Jackson. They turned out to be really big key players in the next year that we'll Absolutely. talk about uh, yep. uh, the next show. So um, just all in all, uh, man, Keith Lee was a monster. Yeah, he was. Good gracious. Just his rebounding alone uh, was keeping them in the game early. And then once they kind of got Patrick Ewan in foul trouble and John had to kind of, you know, try to manipulate, you know, Patrick Ewan a little bit more than he wanted to as far as keeping them in the game. Yeah, they went on a run and, and – uh, he was just outstanding. So it's really cool to go back and watch these old games and just see the 80s basketball and how crisp they run the plays and how they work from the inside out. And, you know, not it looks like for people who, you know, maybe came up like in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And then they look at basketball from that era. It's like to them, it looks like basketball from a different planet mm-hmm. almost. Right. You know, just how much ball movement there was. It wasn't a lot of ISO ball. Um, mid-range game would kill you mm-hmm. because, you know, they, they weren't three-point uh, baskets at the time. But um, that's one of the things that's really just struck me watching a lot of these classic games, either, you know, NBA or college games from the late 70s, early 80s. It's like, you know, it's just basketball. You just could never imagine the game being like that today. Right. And just how much the advent of the three-point line just changed the game forever. Right. Right. And big men, they could step out. They could shoot back then. They, you know, they had more than just rebounding and dunking in their repertoire. Guys Mm -hmm. had post moves. They could step out to the elbow and and make jumpers and, you know, stretch the defense that way. But, yes, the three-point line definitely and the specialization after the three-point line definitely changed a lot of the way basketball is played and taught. This is more like – this is kind of like how you watch a women's game. Like, you know, you watch a women's game, it's like, you know, they got more pass and they got more teamwork just because, you know, the athleticism doesn't allow just for one person to kind of take it over a lot of times. Right. And you get to see more of a pure rendition of the game. But, yeah, this was a team um, that a lot of college teams have, especially back in this era where you had people staying for longer periods of time. They got a chance to build chemistry. The first year, chemistry was kind of off. With this team, you know, like you said, transitioning from losing a lot of senior leadership, Sleepy Floyd in particular, mm-hmm. and then Patrick Ewing trying to become the leader, and you're seeing that kind of work out and everybody learning their roles. But uh, we got something for everybody uh, next week when we talk about the 84 85 season. 80, you know, that's a really big year for Georgetown basketball. Yep. 
in many, many ways, in many aspects. Um, so anything, uh, you know, you're keeping your eye on as far as in sports or around sports while we're in this little hiatus? Um, not really. Kirk uh, Herbstreit the other day said um, in an interview that he would be surprised if we even had, you know, a college football or pro football season next season. Whoa. And, um, you know, a lot of people kind of jumped on him for being – a little negative regarding the outlook of this thing, but um, you know, it's something that I've been thinking about. Like I've seen a lot of people just kind of make assumptions about how this whole thing is going to go when they start mm-hmm. talking about you know next season. You know, even when like when Tom signed with the, the Bucks, like you're trying to keep a um, you know, you just try to be positive about right. it, think positive right. about it. But um, yeah, we just don't know. And I, I think it was just interesting for somebody like him, uh, who's one of the you know real faces of college football to you know just kind of flat out and say it like you know we might not have a season next year like kind of prepare yourself for the possibilities so right, right. yeah that's about it man yeah man just a you know uncertainty it just seems like if we if everybody could get a timeline i think everybody would feel a lot better sure where they could plan it out and be like oh okay this is the actual date i'm looking to get to and uh you know kind of count down from there but yeah so hopefully the same timeline kind of works for China where they kind of got a handle on their things and it took about four months. So if you pan that out, maybe July 4th, everybody will come outside for the fireworks and be able to gather again and do all the normal stuff just in time for the celebration of America, right? Yep. <laughs> Sounds good to me, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. K-Bats, thanks for joining me once again. I'll talk to you next week and uh, let the people know once again where they can find your podcast and what you guys do over on the Hot Fire Starter Show each and every week. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. If you like to follow me, at KBAD. That's K-B-A-D-D-S. I'm um, one-third of the Hot Fire Starter crew. Um, it's a podcast where we talk about it. You know, we just don't limit it to a couple of topics or things we think people might be interested in. We just kind of just, you know, speak our minds on a week-to-week basis. And if it's something we want to talk about, we'll talk about it. That's that's pretty much it. You can find us on uh you know wherever you listen to your podcast at. Just search Hot Fire Starter or Fire Starter. That's F I Y A Starter. And yeah, we hope you like it. All right, man. So for my co-host K Bads, I'm Don DeLorense, and now you know the score.